You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin. My name is Jamie. And you're listening to the podcast about the portrayal of women in movies. It's true. Hey, guess what? Yeah, what? Women in movies usually are not portrayed well, or at all. Oftentimes, just not a hot fact all. to start the cast out. Ever seen the movie The Thing? Pretty sure there's no women in it. No, is that a, is that a vagina monster movie? Uh, um, I yeah, you could probably argue yes. I went on okay, so I went on a, a date last night, and I pre-gamed by watching Teeth. I didn't know you went on a date. Listen. It was why? fine. Why didn't you <laughs> it was, tell me? It was, I know that we're codependent. <laughs> I did. It was an impromptu, and I was in the middle of watching Teeth. I'm like, let me just finish watching Teeth, and then sure, let's meet up. Yeah, that's a great way to Yeah, leave. I can't recommend watching Teeth before going on a first date enough. Mm-hmm. A blast. If you're not familiar with the movie Teeth, it, it we'll is get to about, it. Yeah, we we'll, we'll get there, but oh, just, sure. it's about a woman whose vagina is full of teeth. And vagina she bites, and tata. Yeah, she bites dudes' dicks off. Yeah, vigi- with her vigilante te- justice, <laughs> feminist icon, teeth. Teeth. <laughs> yeah, so this is the Bechdel test we use for our yardstick of how women are treated in film. We use the Bechdel test inspired by Alison Bechdel, uh, and our interpretation of it is uh, the movie must have two female characters uh, with names speak to each other at some point in the movie about something other than a man. Only has to be, I think that this comes up a lot, uh, people are like, oh, it has to be a whole scene. Then nothing would pass. It, ha- it literally has to be two lines of dialogue yeah. that happens. The lowest bar possible. All right. And yet so many movies manage to still not pass the Bechdel test. Some of the Whoops. most famous movies of all time. Yep. Uh, I'm excited about the movie we were talking about today. Yes. Yeah. So before we talk about it, though, let's introduce our guest. Yeah. She is a comedian. She is terrific. Emily Heller. Hello. Are you doing Mrs. Doubtfire voice? I am. Why wouldn't I? Hello. Hello. Amazing. That really, it always gets a laugh. It always does. So we're talking about Mrs. Doubtfire. We are. When did you first see the movie? What's your history with this movie? Okay. I definitely saw it as a kid, possibly when it came out. I Mm -hmm. don't remember. Okay. But then I definitely watched it again as an adult, you know, maybe like, Eight years ago. Yeah. And then again yesterday. Uh uh (laughs) You know, I'm from the Bay Area too. So, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. uh, The bus that Mrs. Doubtfire gets on is a bus I used to ride when I lived there. That exact bus? The the 22 22? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, And, you know, I started comedy in San Francisco. So it was like Mm -hmm. Robin Williams was like around. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. But yeah. So I feel like pretty connected to this movie in a lot of ways. Sure. This movie was a huge movie of my childhood. There were like probably like 10 different movies that I just watched all the time. This was one of them. 
I saw the Brave Little Toaster a oh, lot. Yeah. Jumanji. Oh, yes. Jumanji. Homeward Bound. I've never seen Jumanji. <laughs> Dude, I got in so much trouble. Like the most trouble I ever got in as a kid was when I was 11 years old. It was the first time ever my parents were letting me go to the movies without an adult. Mm-hmm. They organized this whole thing where this big group of girls were going to go see Tom and Huck. Ooh, yeah. Uh, that JTT movie. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. while we were in line waiting to buy tickets, one of the girls revealed that she had not seen Jumanji. And we were all like, you haven't seen Jumanji? <laughs> and we got to the front of the line. And we were like, does Jumanji get out at the same time as Tom and Huck? And they were like, yeah. And they were like, we're seeing Jumanji instead. <laughs> like, I, I changed the plans. We went to go see Jumanji instead. Jumanji did not get out at the same time as Tom and Huck. It got out 20 minutes later. Uh-oh. And my mom, who had showed up to the movie theater to pick us up, thought we had all been kidnapped. Abducted she waited. From the showing she, of Tom and Huck. She waited outside the exit of Tom and Huck, watched every single person leave. None of us were in there. Oh, and she God. was so furious with oh, me. Oh, yeah. Did you ever end up seeing Tom and Huck, though? No, I didn't. No. Here's yeah. the thing. But I did it's see Jumanji again. <laughs> Tom and Huck, uh, it's fine. JTT, very, I mean. Yeah, I wasn't without, that big of a JTT fan. I mean, I kind me of either. was, but I didn't really know. Was JTT, is he, because there's JTT and then every child slash teen actor of that era who looks exactly like him, but wasn't him. Mm-hmm. Um, no one looked was, exactly like him. That's, he, no one had the same sparkle. It was his. <laughs> Truly, it was his coloring of like the dark eyebrows and the light eyes and yes. then the sandy hair. It was like a very unusual the look. contrast. Yeah, the contrast was and the gorgeous. like smirky smile. I can't even was picture he what he looks Muppet like. Treasure Island is, or is that a JTT poser? Um, oh, great question. You know what? Well, let me check it out. I'm most familiar with Muppet Christmas Carol. Stop so. the podcast. <laughs> Stop the gang. It's not him. It's not him. Nope. Yeah, there's just a lot of lookalikes out there. I do like on a Muppet movie Wikipedia page, they bill all of the Muppets before any human. <laughs> <laughs> Top build is Kermit the Frog, as as it should be, I guess. Of but course. Kermit the Frog got billed before Tim Curry. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Anyways, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, um, baby. So yeah, I saw this movie a ton as a kid, but I hadn't seen it probably for 15 or 20 years. Oh, so yeah. I, mm. watching it again, whoo. Interesting. It's super interesting, interesting things that happen. Yeah. What about you, Jamie? What's your history? I didn't see this movie for a while. My I, my older cousins would watch it all the time, but I wasn't allowed to. And then eventually, I think I probably saw it around the time I was like seven or eight, and then probably again in high school, and then again for this. But I had I haven't seen it in like a good at least between ten and fifteen years. Like it's been it's been a bit. And yeah, yeah. there are some. There have been some big cultural shifts that would have yeah. that make this movie somewhat impossible now. Mm-hmm. I will say. The writer of this movie, Randy Mayim Singer, Mm -hmm. she and I follow each other on Twitter. She's an outspoken Mm -hmm. feminist. She seems really cool. All right, awesome. Yeah, Yeah, the movie was written by two women, and then it's adapted from a novel also written by a woman. There's a lot of interesting gray area in this This was adapted from a novel? Yes. A novel called Madam Doubtfire, I think. (laughs) Alias Madam Doubtfire. (laughs) Oh, my God. By Anne Fine. (laughs) (laughs) I love Alias Madam Doubtfire. Makes it sound like a spy movie. Yeah. Which it sort of is. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he's definitely spying on his family and his wife and her new relationship. Stu. Stu. Pierce. Pierce Stu. Also directed by Chris Columbus of the first two Harry Potter movies mm-hmm. and Home Alone and Home Alone oh, fame yeah. and the really stinky uh, on-screen adaptation of Rent. Oh yeah, Ugh. oh Chris Hard Columbus, bath. you're all over the place, buddy. What's happening? Anyways, he's a millionaire. We're yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the recap of Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Doubtfire is about a man named. Daniel Hillard, played by Robin Williams, and he's a party animal. He has kids and he loves them. And he wants to have fun with them. And he's, he's a, a cool fun dad. dad. He's, he's a, a bad dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he is married to Miranda, played by Sally Field, and he throws a party for his twelve-year-old son. And she comes in on it. The house is a mess. She's like, "This is too much." Well, and she Let's had told divorce. him he wasn't allowed to have a birthday party because his grades were too yes. low. Right. Right. So he. So this is a classic. The cool parent overriding the mean parent. Like yeah. they're mm-hmm. oh. he's he's like acting like a dad who's already been divorced. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like why are you acting out of spite like this for, <laughs> towards a woman you're currently uh, right. married to? Well 
so yeah, she comes home. She's fed up with all of his antics, and she's like, "Let's get a divorce." And he's like, "No." And in the divorce proceedings, he's granted no custody except for like he can only see them on Saturdays or something like that. Yeah. So he's like, "I need to see my kids more." Mm-hmm. And he finds out that Miranda's going to take out an ad in the newspaper to hire a housekeeper. So he goes to his brother, who is a makeup artist for Harvey, the, the movies. For Hollywood, except not he sabota- in San well, Francisco. First, he sabotages the ad so that she can't get any real inquiries. Yes. Right. Some classic yeah. print journalism manipulation. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, so he calls and puts on this whole facade of like, I'm the best. I'm Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, yeah. So his his brother, who is uh, like does makeup for movies, yeah. he calls him up and says, make me a woman. Mm-hmm. And his brother says, I'm so happy for you, which is like... <laughs> Oh, this is a very, this is a joke I didn't notice as a kid. Right, right. There are are tons of those. And and begs a lot of questions of like, why did he, like that doesn't, the the character and that statement didn't necessarily like line up. I was like, oh, interesting. What's Mm -hmm. the story there? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he makes all these like this prosthetic mask and this whole bodysuit and everything like that to turn Daniel into Mrs. Doubtfire. And then he poses as the family's housekeeper for months <laughs> yeah it seems like it's months yeah it's a while sally field while an intelligent and empowered woman does not recognize that <laughs> it's her ex-husband is that is definitely the biggest buy in this movie is that she does not recognize him right because um, she's, she's capable in literally every other way yes yeah and oh. also, I don't know if either of you have been in like a long-term relationship, but <laughs> no. there's one thing I know very well, and it's my boyfriend's face. Yeah, You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I see that thing all the time. I know exactly what his teeth look like. I know yeah. exactly. I know, you know, and they did do like fake teeth and like lots of prosthetics and stuff like that. But fucking but come still on. But still is recognizable know. as Robin Williams. Yeah. yeah. You've had three children with this. Like, yeah, you know. What <laughs> this like. person has been inside you. Yeah. You <laughs> would think you would know. As someone who has never been in a long-term relationship but knows how faces work, <laughs> I too <laughs> think I would recognize. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so no one... I feel like that's a big problem for the movie Tootsie as well, but... Yeah. Well, another thing is this movie is set in San Francisco, which I think at the time probably had one of the most robust transgender communities in the entire country. Right. You don't live in San Francisco and not know about transgender people, Mm -hmm. especially if you're like an adult. What I'm saying is like, it's a lot easier for transgender people to pass sometimes in like the middle of America or or, like Mm -hmm. places where there are no transgender people because no one's looking for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that that also wasn't a factor in this, like there's a a few tongue in cheek jokes, but Mm -hmm. you're like, why is this set in the one city where this would be the hardest to pull off? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and I unnecessary. Mean, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe she thought that Mrs. Doubtfire was just a transgender woman and just didn't say anything about it, which right. would be interesting also. But, For 1992, yeah. it'd be pretty pr- uh, progressive to yeah. not call out in a movie. Yeah. But there's no mention of that. And instead, there is like whenever Daniel is making calls to basically make it so that Mrs. Doubtfire, when she calls, is going to be like the best possible scenario. Yes. Oh, right. Because he does this whole like montage of calling. Of calling yeah. of doing like bad, bad candidates yeah. and one of the bad candidates is him saying I don't oh, work with the males because I used to be one and then oh yeah, yeah. That, and then she's like oh I gotta go she's like yikes <laughs> and hangs up the phone and it's like but not. also like so it, I get that it was teeing up that terrible transphobic joke but why would a transgender woman not want to work with boys like that, that lo- logically right. like <laughs> setting aside the transphobia of that joke what is the logical oh, explanation yeah. for... Makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't track on any level. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, so basically, Daniel works as Mrs. Doubtfire for the family's housekeeper for, for months. Um, <laughs> yes. Taking care of the kids, being a better father than he ever had been before, basically. Yeah. Which and is then... kind of in some ways makes him more culpable because it's like, okay, you understand how rules can benefit children. Yeah. And you understood it before. You just were unwilling to enforce it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> but as a woman, not as much of a problem. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, there's some weird, there's some weirdness going on. Yeah, and then his two older children find out about his true identity, and he tells them to keep it a secret. Right, 
And then toward the end, at the big dinner scene with all the switcheroos between his, like, big work opportunity and then the birthday dinner. For his ex-wife. For his ex-wife. Sally Field's character finds out, oh, you're actually my husband, faking being our our housekeeper this whole time. (laughs) Put yourself in Sally Field's. (laughs) I mean. For just a second. Yeah. The fucking distrust I would have of every person around me for the following five years of my life. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Especially upon finding out that it's like, oh, also, two of my children knew, and my my ex-husband like swore his children to secrecy there's just yeah. he was like also oh. asked me a lot of questions about my sex life with my new boyfriend yeah which just makes the ending of this movie it's a family movie but like makes the end completely bananas like yeah yeah right because then i mean they have a fight he he's granted well. no custody he gets to have supervised super- visits yeah but he starts playing mrs doubtfire on tv so i guess He's trustworthy. So I guess it's fine. (laughs) And then Miranda approaches him at work and she's like, you know what? Things were better. You should see the kids and da da da. And then. Because she realizes that she can't find another housekeeper as good as Mrs. Doubtfire and they all miss her. And they're like, she's like, what are we talking about? She's not a real person. Why are we (laughs) talking? But yeah. Yeah. And then like she opens the door to their new housekeeper and then it's the reveal that it's Daniel. And she's like, Mm -hmm. you can hang out with your dad more. Yeah. The end. Every day after <laughs> school. End. Yeah. 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 Okay. I do kind of think it's interesting that they bothered to include the custody battle of like, oh, for sure he would not get custody after all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, oh, that, I mean, that seemed kind of realistic uh, yeah. or more realistic than, than a lot of parts of the movie. But then at the end, I, I just, it bugged me that like Sally Field's character is the one to be like, you know what? I was not wrong, but like, I forgive you for this massive weird breach of breach trust. Of, yeah 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 i i mean she does seem like she's being a little bit too forgiving but she's also like i think this is the best outcome for my kids you know what i mean right Which is, how do you protect I your kids after something like that it's so yeah it's definitely messed up but i can see if i were like a kid and then i found out my dad was doing this thing that was like kind of funny to me and kind of bizarre i would be like oh dad what? But like, cool. I don't know. I wouldn't be like afraid yeah. of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like giving it the most possible credit. It's like she probably assessed that her kids were not traumatized by this. Right. Visi- not visibly traumatized by it. And that it was in performing the Mrs. Doubtfire ruse. <laughs> he demonstrated his willingness to change his parenting style to. Right adjust for the things that he needed to but also but also but, mrs doubtfire yeah. <laughs> like it is bizarre because it's like you know he is more like daniel's more respectful of her parenting style by the end of the movie and definitely like sees the value of di- but but again it's like we sort of see that he knows that at the beginning he's just not doing it yeah right yeah he this movie is just like it's, it's yeah. But that said, it is A, way longer than I remembered. <laughs> so long. Over two hours long. Oh, man. It's insanely long. long. But but it's, I mean, I enjoy this movie. It's just, there's just so much. Like, this movie could not be made right now. I just keep I thinking think. of the storyline in Arrested Development when Tobias. The Mrs. Featherbottom yeah. <laughs> combination Mary Poppins and Mrs. Doubtfire uh-huh. thing. Yeah. yeah. But the joke there is that everyone knows that it's clearly Tobias playing this yeah. character. And they're just tolerating it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, letting him do housework. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're just letting him do free labor. So um, one of the first things I wanted to bring up about the movie as it relates to the portrayal of women is a segment that I call Breaking Shrews. It's like breaking news. It's a discussion of all the shrews in the movie. I appreciate it quietly. Yeah, thank you so much. (laughs) Pretty much every female character that we see on screen, basically everyone is presented as a shrewish character in some... Aside from Mara Wilson's character. Right. Too young to shrew. Too young to shrew. Too young Mm -hmm. to shrew quite yet. But just about everyone else, including the older daughter, Lydia, mm-hmm. um, she's the one who's all like, no, we shouldn't have a party. Mom said we couldn't. Later on, she is judging her dad's apartment that he moves into. And she's like, this place is detestable. She's always just kind of being like, rules, rules, rules. I'm no fun. Da, da, da. Right. 
impossible to please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we see the neighbor lady who basically narks on them for having the the party. Giant giant disruptive party with barn animals. (laughs) Yeah. But she's all like, I'm going to tell on you. And she calls Miranda at work about it. Who who then comes in and shrews out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shrews herself right into a divorce. And when I was a kid, (laughs) (laughs) when I was a kid, I definitely was like, oh, yeah, she's a mean mom. Uh, Oh, yeah. I was so on Daniel's side when I was a kid. Yes. And now now I see this movie and I'm like, I'm on Miranda's side. I'm so on her side. (laughs) I feel like what that's something about this movie that is like both brilliant and sad, which is that like kids totally see the mom character as the bad guy but as a woman I was like oh this was made for me in some ways Mm -hmm. because it's like Mm -hmm. I feel like in some ways a very compassionate portrayal of Sally Field she gets ample opportunity to explain Mm -hmm. all of the ways that Daniel's behavior ruined their marriage and it's totally legitimate totally legitimate and then she gets to have this fucking fantasy hot boyfriend uh, who's like been following her career and like her career success is a big part of like why he's attracted to her and he's like totally like giving her everything she in some ways it's like total wish fulfillment for her in some ways right like oh i'm just one breakup away (laughs) from (laughs) stew from fucking pre-james bond 007 (laughs) he is truly a vision in this movie uh yeah he's He's like, I mean, like the camera loves him. There's that whole like diving board scene at oh the my pool. God. <laughs> I was just like, I was not expecting to get horny during this movie, but I forgot about <laughs> Stu. Yeah. Uh, you see Stu's nipples. You do see Stu's nips. Yeah. <laughs> New sub podcast Stu's nips. <laughs> there. I was expecting going into this movie because I remember same same as you, like not liking the mom when I was little and being like, oh my God, she's so mean. She's so terrible. And also having a very clear like map in my head of like, this is like my parents where like my mom is a disciplinarian and my dad is same fun. Same, same dynamic but, with my parents. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's like a lot of kids' parents. And, and so I remember thinking that mom is so mean. But the movie... Yeah, to its credit, I was expecting a far more like villainized portrayal of Sally Field's character, but she she does at every point. Like I tried to put myself in my mom's head seeing this movie. I'm like, I I wonder if she felt uh, heard. <laughs> I wonder if she felt pissed off when <laughs> Robin Williams started doing some weird. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it, it, I think it depends on the audience who's consuming this. When, like we said, when we're kids, we're like, "Oh, boo, mean mom." But we, as grown women, who often either have to ourselves or see other women carrying all the burdens and the emotional labor of maintaining a household, and we're like, "Yeah, we hear you. We get it." Yeah, so, it's just frustrating. It's but she super is frustrating. You know. Nothing's really done to make her seem like a more reasonable, compelling character to the young audience who's seeing this, I think. Right. So we as children who I think this movie is the target demographic for or like families, you know, people with kids. The movie is like, yeah, she's the shrew. She's the bad guy. She doesn't get her save the cat moment. Right. At all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, We're like there. There could have been a moment in this movie where. Because she she has opportunities to explain where she's coming from. We know that she's not a bad person. She's not a bad parent. Mm-hmm. But but at yeah. no point do, do her kids express an interest in spending time with her. At no point right. do we understand, like, we as adults can conceptually understand, like, she's doing all this stuff for the good of her children. But at no point as a kid watching this did I think, what a cool mom. You know, I never thought, like... Mm-hmm. You never really see her doing anything for the kids that's like fun. And sometimes you like you need that in a movie, especially when you're young. I remember my first movie I saw that took place in San Francisco when I was a kid was The Princess Diaries. And the mom oh, in yeah. that movie rules. I mean, she she oh, works. Yeah. She's, She's like a full time artist. But there's like scenes where she and like Mia are like having an awesome time together. And it's like. Oh, even though, you know, like she has to have her mom moments Mm -hmm. like Miranda does in this movie. Like we see that there's a relationship there, but that's not really here. And I feel like that might be partially connected to like a working woman kind of stigma of like, oh, she's a little bit she's not a bad mom. She's a little bit cold kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's got a career. She doesn't have as much time or energy to be a, a kind, caring mother. 
Right. Or something. Yeah. She's not around enough to realize that her ex husband in drag is uh, <laughs> has infiltrated her home. She's a little cold. She's a little distant. Yeah. The custody scene, the first custody scene, is really interesting for, like, understanding people's ideas of parenting at the time. Yeah. Because the judge in the moment is basically saying, like, when he's making the ruling of, like, Daniel getting one day of custody is he was like, you know, usually these favor the mother, but recently we've realized that kids need dads. (laughs) Like, it's like a very weird sort of, like, wait, what? Like, (laughs) when I was watching that this time, I was like, was that supposed to be, like... A joke was that supposed to be like a little progressive, like wink to like. I don't like, think so. I couldn't tell what mm. that was intended, how that was intended to land at the time. And it seemed like he was saying that, like, because Daniel didn't have a job, that was why he would not be a good guardian. And it's like, right. But she has a job. And also, wouldn't he have more time mm-hmm. to, to be a guardian? Yeah. Like, it, that doesn't seem like. It's, confu- it's, it's confusing. confusing. Unless he meant that. Because he doesn't have his shit together. Yeah. But still. be able to care for them. But yeah. I don't know. The whole thing is Well, that's like an interesting comment on like masculinity that the movie's making because him not having a job is, you know, like a a deal is made of it where in some ways, like I I think it's like portrayed a lot of like, you know, a, a man not having, not being the breadwinner of the family is portrayed not, not in extreme ways by this movie but that's like somehow stripped him of his masculinity in mm-hmm. in some ways well and we should point out too that when we first meet him it's when he quits his job because they're trying to make him do a pro cigarette voiceover for a children's cartoon <laughs> which is a very easy way to get people on your side right, to be like yeah. i'm quitting because i don't think kids should smoke cigarettes and they're like oh we're on board we love this guy yeah um <laughs> and so you're like oh well it's not his fault he doesn't have a job like he quit in righteous anger yeah um, right right and i love how the movie portrays that as something that could just happen like oh no there comes a time in every Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to walk off the job that you probably have signed a contract for and can't just leave <laughs> by walking off that day. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so Sally Field's character is pretty shrewish throughout the movie. There's a few other shrews that I wanted to mention. The grandma, who doesn't even get any lines and you only see her for like one very brief scene. But but he makes a crack about her being dead. Yeah, being yeah. a corpse mm-hmm. and like smelling like formaldehyde. The court liaison lady... Mrs. Selner or something like that. Yeah. She's an yes. old shrewish lady with no She's sense of humor. basically like his divorce parole officer, which is like <laughs> yeah, not a thing that I realized weird. existed. <laughs> I'm not sure that it does. The way that yeah. custody is treated in this movie is like a little uncanny valley. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, is he being watched that carefully for where are these government resources right. going? Yeah. Also, you don't ever see this character on screen, but Daniel's brother, Frank, played by Harvey Feinstein. Firestein. Firestein. Yeah. Firestein. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry for sounding so intense. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> he is on the phone with their mother, and she's like, bah, 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 like being all. And he's like, over, over, I don't want to talk to yeah. mom about my divorce. Yeah. Just yeah. Very overbearing mother. I mean, um, yeah. And they're like, yeah. Ooh, no, no thanks. And they're just very dismissive of her. So generally, any woman you see on screen is probably portrayed as a shrew. Oh, and then the the housekeeper who comes in to interview at the very end when they're trying to find someone to replace Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. She is yes. all like, I don't do bathtubs. I don't do carpets. I don't do cleaning. I don't, I don't do, do reading. I don't yeah. do, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, we're all the... All I'm the... illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, not a single woman in this movie gets to have any fun. Right. Except no presumably off screen when Sally Field is fucking Pierce Brosnan. Oh my God. Can we get what hit the cutting room floor <laughs> in terms of I a hope Sally they, Field? they did like a full penetration. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch Pierce Brosnan full penetration now, 2017. Oh yeah. God. And I mean, yeah. Sally Field is a fun person. There's like a really amazing interview I saw her do on, I think it was Johnny Carson about uh, when she was fucking Burt Reynolds and it's oh. very saucy. Ooh, Sally. Sally. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of not fair that you see all these fun male characters and then no female, well, fun it female really, characters. Yeah, I guess it really is just Robin Williams who's fun. 
Because there aren't any other fun guys in this. I think, like I Harvey Firestein like is Firestein's still a little bit of a nag. But he does true. have, he is more fun, but it is like, well, I'll give him that. There's mm. like a gay character in this movie. There are two gay mm. characters in yeah, this movie. that's true. Both yes. played by real life gay comedians. Hey. hey that's I love comforting. so much. <laughs> yeah. It's him and it's Scott Capurro, who was like a local San Francisco stand-up. Oh, like oh, a local, that. yeah. Scott Capurro plays, as Daniel refers to him later in the movie, Aunt Jack. Aunt Jack, right? Yeah, yeah. who's like Harvey Firestein's, like you know, not clearly articulated like partner in both business and love. But there's a weird, it's confusing because at the beginning Harvey Firestein says like, "Make this guy look like a man," and he was like, "Like you would know," and it's like. Wait, what does that mean? Yeah. Because that right. seemed like a dig about how rarely he has sex, but then it's like, but they're partners but they're together. Yeah. yeah. They're, that that part of it was unclear. But right. Well, their their relationship seems mostly just professional until that line where Yeah, Aunt uh, Jack. Yeah, yeah. He says Uncle Frank and at Aunt Jack. Well, I remember so. my mom when I was very young explaining my two like I have two gay uncles and she explained their relationship to me based on Mrs. Doubtfire. They're like, mm. you know, you know Robin Williams' brother and Mrs. Doubtfire? <gasps> it's like that. And it, I mean, it must have registered. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Mm. And oh, that was, interesting. So that was, I guess, possibly the first gay couple I'd seen on screen, or at least the most high-profile example, because that was what my mom went to yeah. to explain a real-life gay couple to me. That's it, really interesting. Yeah. Which I, is weird, because it's not done super, super well in the movie, but it, yeah, was, I mean, no. it was good enough I for would, me to understand. I really am curious about like the behind-the-scenes conversations about how to deal with gay issues in this movie, because it seems like there were multiple opportunities for them to like talk about it in a deeper way, mm -hmm. and they like really swerved around them. And I'm wondering like where that came from. Cause like it seems like they probably wanted Harvey Firestein's character to be a drag queen. Like it seems mm -hmm. logical that he would be mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm gonna go to my sense. brother who's a drag queen and does drag makeup to like as opposed do this to like for the me. makeup artist. As opposed thing. to like a, yeah, a movie industry makeup artist. I guess that explains the latex and stuff. But yeah. but then later on at the very end of the movie, the movie kind of ends with Mrs. Doubtfire giving like on her own TV show, giving this speech in response to a letter from a viewer about the viewer's parents getting divorced. Mm -hmm. And she gives this speech about how like the only thing that makes a family is love and well, families can look like a lot of different things, you know? Some right. families have one mom. Have one mom. And some families have one dad. And you're like, but you're what also also two mommies? Also two, two mommies. Yeah. Yeah. There's a line. line. And I just have to believe that there's a version where he says that and it's cut out. I would love to see a first draft of this script. Yeah, because I mean, I I have to assume that they got notes on notes on notes yeah. in 1993 of what mm -hmm. they what people were comfortable saying what they and what they weren't. But yeah, that's, that's really interesting about Harvey Firestein's character. That would make way more sense. I'd be interested in how that was portrayed in the book or if that character even appears in the book. Yeah, I mean, the book yeah. seems like when is the book set? Oh, not sure. Was this like a modern update of the book? Because it. No, I think it was released in sometime in yeah, it came out in 1987. Oh, okay. For so teenage and young adult audiences. Yeah, weird. Oh yeah, I guess that would that would make sense. Yeah. Well, speaking of the movie skirting around issues that could have been addressed. <laughs> sure. Um there are a few brief moments where Daniel, who is in costume as Mrs. Doubtfire, experiencing life the way a woman might experience life. Oh, yeah. But so much more commentary could have been made, and it just could have been better handled. He, like, he gets hit on by that gets creepy bus driver. repeatedly by a creepy bus, bus driver, driver. Who's, like, not even, like, drive, like stops the bus and yeah, is like, are you going to drive the bus or are you going to, like, <laughs> trap this woman in your bus? Like, yeah. what the, are you doing? Yeah, at the behest of literally everything else going on. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh, There's that. And then he gets off the bus and he's wearing heels, and he says something like, oh, my back. If I find the misogynist bastard who invented heels, I'll kill him. So there's that yeah, kind of throwaway line. Yeah, softball, yeah. No, I'm saying, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then there's a moment where he almost gets mugged in broad daylight crossing a street. A guy, like, snatches her purse, and then he kind of, like, beats him off and gets uh -huh. it back. But those are the only moments where there's any sort of even calls attention to the fact that that he's, he's that he's maybe giving up some of his privilege in mm -hmm. playing this character right. and like what that might teach him about what women go through. Yeah. This was like one of my big things I, I, I was taking notes about in like the latter half of 
the movie is. And I think that this is something that Tootsie does different in a way that works better for me. That's mm-hmm. that I do have to rewatch Tootsie. I'm sure there's something there as well. Yeah. But they're like they're at no point does Daniel's character get really into the Mrs. Doubtfire character. It's always like a facade. It's never like where in Tootsie, as I remember, it's a lot of the character arc comes from really like living as this female character and learning how to communicate uh, as a woman and, and like all the, all this stuff and there, that there's a real arc there mm-hmm. where I think so. Like even like the climactic scene with the with the dinner when he's going back and forth between being a man and being a woman. Like I feel like there's just like there's so much opportunity there to make a real comment and have your character learn a real lesson about something like that and ha- but but it just doesn't really happen no it doesn't yeah, yeah. I, th- I feel like the closest it comes is in the scene where mrs doubtfire is having like a heart-to-heart with miranda about the divorce yeah. and it's really daniel probing her trying to find out like come on is there any hope for daniel mm-hmm. and surely you must have tried to solve these problems and she's like yeah he didn't want to talk about anything serious and at a certain point, he turned me into this shrew, and I didn't like who I was with him. Mm-hmm. And it's like he finally gets it. Like right. that's the point when you see, like, oh, okay, this character is learning something in this scene. Right. That was upon rewatching one of my favorite scenes. I think because mm-hmm. you're like, oh yeah, you guys weren't a match. Like, right, yeah. you guys weren't a match. And also, like, you didn't have some of the necessary communication that you need to have about, like, how you're going to raise your kids together and, like, mm-hmm. what you value in a responsible partner and, like... And just, like, another impressive way that the movie lets Sally Field's character be heard and, like, yeah. understood. Yeah. Where it's, like, you know, as a kid, you probably don't lose much from the movie by not seeing that scene, but watching it as an adult, yeah, like, that's one mm-hmm. of the scenes yeah. where you're like, oh, that's... That's pretty impressive. Because I didn't remember yeah. that scene even happening. Of course, you now. probably tune it out as right. like, a scene with two adults. Right. Or a scene where something goofy isn't happening or whatever. I remember yeah. the scene okay. where um, Mrs. Doubtfire is vacuuming all wild and wacky. Uh-huh. Yes, well, because that was in the trailer. Too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of good trailer. I totally forgot about Stu's character altogether. Really? Uh, yes. <laughs> and so that was a real pleasant, horny surprise <laughs> for, for me. Uh, it was a real kamikaze, horny moment. Yeah. I don't. I mean, this movie is is tricky. I think that it's important to mention exactly how huge of a movie this was. This movie was the biggest movie of '93 behind Jurassic Park. Wow! Wow! Twenty five million dollar budget, four hundred fifty million dollars at the box Whoa. office. This Holy movie was shit. fucking massive. Yeah. yeah. Which, I again, I, I does this movie do as well in '93? If they make more nuanced points, I don't. I don't, I don't know. know. Probably not. If they didn't do anything, it wouldn't have tested that well with 1993 audiences. I'd be re- yeah. Now that you so. bring it up, I'd be really interested in like what kind of rewrites this movie went through before it made. Because even in '93, I feel like this movie seems like sort of like a risky movie to be making. But it, I mean, it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is like post Tootsie. It's like you know, this is right. like a very well known movie trope. Mm-hmm. It does seem like they were trying hard to, like, not alienate anyone, but also to give some kind of wink at, like, the gay culture that mm-hmm. made this movie possible. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's it, it's interesting. Well, I talked to a few trans friends of mine about this movie. Oh, I'm very interested to hear this. Yes. So, um, Riley Silverman, who was on our Batman Friend episode. Friend I messaged her and I said, I'm curious about your thoughts on movies where a cis character dresses up as or takes on the identity temporarily of a person of a different gender for the sake of the story. Other movies that come to mind are Tootsie, The Birdcage, Some Like a Hot, Shakespeare in Love. Is this inherently problematic? Is it okay as long as no transphobic comments or jokes are made? Something else? Thoughts? She responded and said, it's a gray area for sure. Some trans people will tell you it's inherently awful. I think that's too broad of a brush. I do think with comedies, there's a fine line because so many of the jokes are based in the humor of presenting a male seeming person as female. I sort of feel less bugged by these movies as a trans woman and more just as a woman because so much of it is just really heightened gender role stereotypes. I feel like the fact that guy dressed as woman is meant to be demeaning feels so misogynist to me. And I said, totally, uh, a lot of these movies and TV shows take the stance of a man being feminine. How humiliating. Yeah, there's like definitely some like 
kind of transphobic, isn't it funny for a man to wear a dress type of humor? But then there's also like, there was this whole school of like, wouldn't it be weird if a dad played a role in his kid's life in a real way type yeah. of jokes too, yeah. where you're like, he doesn't know how to cook. He doesn't know yeah. how to clean. Like he's not a right. functional adult. And these right. are only roles he's willing to learn while not identifying as a man. Yeah. Like somehow yeah. it's emasculating if he does that while he's a man. Right. I mean, later on in the movie, his gross apartment does, I, you could argue that, you know, what he learns being Mrs. Doubtfire informs his life as a kind of single father now because he cleans his place, he learns how to cook, but it's only yeah. after he has assumed the role of a woman that he bothered to do any of that. Yeah, to so, grow up, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I said the reverse of this, which uh, the reverse of a male character dressing up as a female character, the reverse of that, like in Shakespeare and Love, where a woman dresses as a man, is empowering because then she gets to do a thing that she wants to do because people see her as a man and therefore she deserves respect. Yeah, like it's more of a radical act when women take on drag in movies in order to accomplish something because mm-hmm. it's like understood that her gender is the reason why she can't do it. And in movies like this, it's Yentle, like, oh, no, maybe. it's yeah. Or like one of the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like in movies like this, it's like, Mulan. no, it's because a man feels entitled to a place like mm-hmm. like in Tootsie and in this. It's like, no, men dress in drag to gain access to a place they feel entitled to that they aren't entitled to. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She also brought up uh, She's the Man, the Amanda Bynes the soccer yes. vehicle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, And then uh, Riley said, I think the bigger problem with this stuff is less the movies themselves and more how people equate them with the trans experience after the fact. And I said, yes, that just shows the huge lack of understanding of what the trans experience is. And she said, yep. And it's part of the demonization of trans people along with trans panic horror films like Sleepaway Camp. And then we that was pretty much the end of it. I was just like, thanks for your input. Goodbye. But yeah, so that well, was I'm that glad conversation. You guys left it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still friends. Be- yeah, yeah. Um, I read. I read a very interesting uh, editorial that I found from around the time this movie came out from a drag performer named Charles Bush. Uh, he published a, an opinion piece in the Washington Post when this movie came out. That's pretty generally praises the movie in terms of presenting drag to a family audience in a way that he found to be generally respectful but but his main criticism was that it didn't do enough like it appears respectful just because there's not much being said Mm-hmm. where uh, the passage that I, I highlighted was, uh, although there are glimpses of a fully fleshed out characterization in Robin Williams' portrayal of a 60-year-old Scottish nanny, the humor of the film never rises above the mechanics of how he's going to get in and out of drag. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think, yeah, like that's as far as it's examined. Is like, isn't the costume funny and that's so many of the scenes wild that he has to put this on and take which is uh, which which, you know works and i don't even think that that is like a necessarily like horrifying bad thing to see it's a family comedy in 1993 Mm -hmm. but it's just like yeah there's a lot of that's like, like 50% his... of the movie is him getting in and out of the costume. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, could, we could cut a half hour out of yeah. this movie. No and we should because it's two hours and five long. minutes long. Yeah. I also spoke with another trans woman friend named Olivia. Asked her the same question, just basically your take on this thing that happens in movies and television. And she said, hmm, an interesting thought. Offhand, I would say that as long as there's no real transphobia in punchlines or the narrative, then it should be fine. I know that before I came out or even really knew I was trans, I was drawn to narratives about gender swapping and that sort of thing. So I think even if there are some problematic elements that are inherent to the times they were made in, overall their effects might be positive. So for her, it was like, oh, interesting that I can see a story about this, even if it's not really identical to the trans experience or anything like that. It's yeah, still like, there's, a, there's a possibility for something positive to be gleaned from just like even watching gender be played with in any way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. With, without the punishments being so like it's not being demonized. It's just being utilized in a yeah. kind of bizarre I, way. I will say there is like a really awful moment when. Daniel's two older kids find out about the Mrs. Yes. Doubtfire uh-huh. ruse mm-hmm. and his son is like, it's a he, she, we got to call the police. Yes. Yeah. And that part of it, you're like, okay. Also, is a child in, who, being raised in San Francisco really saying that? I don't know. Yeah. I, I certainly hope not. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, the San Francisco element is like the biggest sort of like 
question mark on this. Is that a budget thing? Like, I don't understand. Well, I think it was Robin Williams is from the Bay Area and he lived there. And I think whenever he had the opportunity, he would shoot things there so Mm. he could be with his family and stuff. And Zelda, his daughter, is one of the extras in the um, party scene. Oh, She's a little girl jumping on a couch. Oh, yay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that scene was very uncomfortable. But apart from that and that moment that we mentioned before where Sally Field hangs up the phone being like, oh, you used to be a man. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Those are the only two sort of blatantly transphobic yeah. moments that I... There's like a, definitely sort of a, I don't know how, if it, I mean, I'm even in a position to call it subtle or not, but there's definitely something problematic about like storylines that hinge on someone's true gender identity or sex being hidden as like this giant betrayal. That's like this trope in stories about trans people where like hiding the fact that they're trans Mm. is somehow a betrayal of the people around them or like and that's a big part of this movie but it is Mm -hmm. also it's like well no it's that you pretended to be a different person and you're right right but does play into like well of course everyone understands that because of course we all think that's bad you know yeah. It, can, it can play into that a bit. Mm-hmm. And and just uh, kind of on a basic level of, you know, like a man donning a woman's identity and then learns the lesson, whatever the lesson may be, whether it's this movie, Tootsie, whatever. And then at the end of the day, okay, he's back in a heteronormative space. Like he returns to what everyone finds to be normal and acceptable. Well, he does continue to be Mrs. Doubtfire forever. On he does TV. Her on, on TV. TV. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, on TV. Which, just taking away a role that a woman could have had I in mean, entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, also, I, I uh, this movie was supposed to be filmed in Chicago, but ER said no. Oh, really? Remember when ER had enough power to just say you can't film in this whole city? What? Wait, ER said no? ER was filmed here. They said ER had a lease with the city during that time period. (laughs) They just leased the whole city. What is the budget for ER? They could just lease (laughs) Chicago? Yeah, that doesn't... uh, I don't know. It was supposed to be in Chicago, but then they relocated to San Francisco because ER? Interesting. Emily, real quick about your point a few moments ago. Um, yes. So the song Dude Looks Like a Lady by Aerosmith uh, oh, yeah. was featured prominently in this featured movie. Featured prominently, yeah. and it had like a resurgence because of this movie. Because it was, I think it first released in the late 80s, and then, yeah. you know, you hear... Oh, I assumed that it came out around the same time. Interesting. No, I think it was 87, but don't quote me on that. That might be wrong. But, so yeah, this song was like hugely popular, again, because of this movie. And I read a Vox article about Caitlyn Jenner's response to this song and basically being like, I love this song. And everyone's like, well, how about how it's very offensive to trans people? Because it's still saying, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just read a quick paragraph from the article. It says, in general, the lyrics blur the line between being a trans woman, a cross-dressing man, or a man who simply has feminine traits. The song also plays on the idea that trans women intentionally deceive men or Mm. are in disguise Mm. That, that, they that are. goes for uh, Lola as well uh, by the Kinks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm not same, super familiar with that song. Same song mm. set up. Um, and that they are unattractive or repulsive as evidenced in one of the video's first scenes where Steven Tyler recoils at the sight of a construction worker whose gender identity is purposefully unclear. And at one point mixes pronouns going from, oh, she like it in one line to, oh, he was a lady in the next. So. Also, that plays on a roller coaster at Disney World. Uh, that song. Oh, really? Why does Aerosmith have their own roller coaster? Like, I'm not <laughs> that upset about it. And my mom practically creams every time we go to Disney World oh, and yeah. she gets to go on the Aerosmith roller coaster. Wait, what episode did we first talk about that in? Was it the, my, mo- oh, the mommy? Oh, how my mom. Okay, so my, how my mom tried to be, tried and failed to be an Aerosmith groupie. Yes. And then became, <laughs> became a groupie for this other band called the beaver brown band mm-hmm. which was like <laughs> supposed to be my mom always she was like beaver brown was gonna be as big as aerosmith and nothing worked out for them they couldn't <laughs> catch a break <laughs> check out the beaver brown band they are terrible <laughs> they are really bad my mom just followed them around for a while oh boy she's a what a wild child <laughs> <laughs> can we talk about the scene between miranda and Stu when he first comes to her office Approaching her for basically like, ooh, help me design this Airbnb. Nope, that's not what it's called. <laughs> no, 
um, just a B and B, a bed and breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, here's how this scene plays out. He says, and the pretense of the scene is that they're just having a business meeting, and she she's works at a showing him. Firm. Her designs. boss has told her, like, yes. this guy asked for you specifically. Mm-hmm. Right. So she starts describing what the look of this um, Airbnb, which is what I'm going to call it now. Um, <laughs> She's in San Francisco. Like. She yeah. could be developing Airbnb. <laughs> right, 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 right. She's just describing it. And he says, you've never looked better or you look better than ever. And she ignores him and keeps talking business stuff. And he says, I've been following your career. Again, she barrels through and just keeps talking about the designs. He says, I'd love to get reacquainted. Again, she ignores him, keeps just talking business. Uh Uh, And then he says, can we talk over dinner? And that's what gets her to be like, yes, this is so nice. Which I think sends a dangerous message because... To push past the no. Yeah. She's ignoring (laughs) him. Her no does not mean no to him. Right. Also, yeah, yeah, like saying nothing doesn't, like, is a yes. Right. Yeah. Because, like, this could be considered sexual harassment in the workplace. Oh, for sure. she's like, he's like, you look good. Let's go to get dinner. This is a, this is a test where I, I suggest uh, doing one of my favorite movie tests, which is replace the conventionally attractive male with Steve Buscemi in this scene. How does it hold up? Uh. <laughs> and this scene would read as very creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Steve for Buscemi test. <laughs> love it. For her character to not respond in the way you think she might because she's technically being harassed, for her to be like, oh, yes, this is so nice. Let's start dating. Because, I mean, they have... They have a history. They, have a history. He was, yeah. they like, dated in college, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. yeah. And then also, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It is. <laughs> what I'm saying is it's hard because yeah. Stu. Yeah. Right. Stu but, has nipples. And I'm hard. <laughs> At the end of the day, I'm horny for Stu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say that is, like, there are two very refreshing things about the male characters in this movie, which is that, like, Robin Williams' character does not see his children as, like, a burden. He's, like, Mm -hmm. all he wants to do is spend time with them, and that's, like, not the most common thing. Yeah. But then also, yeah, like, Pierce Brosnan's, like, cool, single mom with three kids. He's in. He's in. There's a scene at the pool when, like, Mm -hmm. when Mrs. Doubtfire overhears him having a conversation with the bartender that I kind of thought was going to... Like the bartender being like, you don't like kids. Why are you dating this woman? And you kind of think he's going to reveal like, I actually don't I'm going to steal money from her or or just like, I'm going to love her and leave her. And he's like, she's changed my mind because she's that amazing of a woman. And I love these kids. Mm. And like, and you're like, this is kind of tight. I thought the same exact thing. (laughs) I thought he, you were going to, there's going to be like a reveal that he, because I didn't remember exactly what happened in in that story beat. And I was just like, oh, he's going to be revealed to be this like devious, sneaky, evil dude. But like, no, he's just a pretty nice guy. Well, a movie. That this reminded me of that came out. I just uh, looked at it, came out a year later. The Santa Claus comes out a year after Mrs. Oh, with Daffy. Tim Allen? Yes, with, with Tim <laughs> Allen, who Santa dies, and then Tim <laughs> Allen is Santa because he witnessed Santa's death or something. Well, I forget he's what the like role maybe is. weirdly responsible for it. Whoever finds right. Santa's body is the new Santa. <laughs> Santa. So, so that's the movie. But it is there's a lot of elements to the Santa Claus that is very similar to Mrs. Doubtfire in that it's a recently divorced couple. The dad is taking on this new identity, mm, and there's a little bit of a body do. horror element to it of yeah, like what? Yeah, they're both basically wearing fat suits. <laughs> they, I yeah. mean, they're both for sure wearing. Fat yeah, suits. and there is a stew character in the Santa Claus, but it's it's done way less tastefully, I think, where Judge Reinhold plays <laughs> this character. Because I remember having a crush on him when I was little, and my mom being like, why would you like Neil? Also, his name is <laughs> And it's where Neil is just as lovely a new partner for, the, for this mother, but the narrative is constantly like, Basically calling him whatever you would call a cuck in 1994. Yeah. Like, this guy is not masculine. This guy's a dweeb. He's, their and relationship is super desexualized. Yes. Whereas this is like, no, it's super sexualized. Like, it's Pierce Brosnan. You yeah. can't just there cast some, Pierce Brosnan. There are, some, are yeah, yeah. there are some definite inversions of the tropes here. Because, like, mm-hmm. usually these movies have something to do with, like, the dad working too hard and not understanding what it is to be a father and not being Ooh, like warm. in uh, Kramer versus Kramer. Kramer versus Kramer, liar, liar. Mm-hmm. All of those movies are about like a dad who has to learn how to like be a dad. And this is about the opposite. It's like he has the warmth, he has the fun, he has the interest in his children. What he needs to learn how to do is like be responsible. Right. And that's right. not usually yeah. how that goes. That is, I didn't think of it that mm-hmm. way. In some ways, it's like a way of elevating these like mm-hmm. traditionally female characteristics of like, 
nurturing and caring and rules and boundaries and stuff like that. The emotional labor that women do in these relationships. Yes. Yeah. And and uh, Sally Field's character can do, I mean, she can't like literally do everything, but she knows how to do everything. It's like she, she can yeah. delegate too. She was the which... breadwinner and she knew how to care for the kids. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. So... I mean, she's she's given all the skills and and is not the villain of the movie ostensibly, but I do think that there's there is a subtext for kids that it's yeah. like yeah. she's the mean one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if there's any mean one in this movie. Yeah, can we go back to the pool scene really quick? Because I just want to mention that there's a line where they're all like trying to get Mrs. Doubtfire to like put on a bathing suit to get in the pool, and she's just like. No, it would be like reenacting the Titanic. And I just wanted to mention that there's a Titanic shout out. It's um, true. So true. OK, so so Mrs. Doubtfire, I will say just to start wrapping is that I was expecting to have a lot more issues with this movie than ultimately I did because I hadn't seen it in so Same. long yeah. that when you hear the premise and then you hear the year it's made, you're like, oh, this is probably a fucking nightmare. Yeah. It's not. There's a lot of missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is stuff, some stuff that is poorly handled. Mm-hmm. But it's but not unlike a trash other fire. sort of cross-dressing movies that came out around this time, this movie doesn't seem like it's setting out to make a joke of the gender play as much as it is like, let's give Robin Williams a vehicle. It right, just seems right. like it's really catered to like what he's good at and ways he can be funny, and it's not. It doesn't seem like they're setting out to say anything about. Right. Gender necessarily. Right. Which is where like the missed opportunity comes in. But it's also like they're not. Yeah. Like there's five million hours of Robin Williams improvised footage. that Yeah. (laughs) Like I shudder. Like I just it makes me exhausted just thinking of how much. A lot of it. Freestyle goofing took place. A lot of it too, which is problematic, is he's like appropriating other cultures. Oh, yeah. There's a couple racist things in here for sure. Um also, very, very uh, white. Very movie. white movie. No people with speaking lines. Uh, speaking lines. No people with um, people of color with speaking people. Lines? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see we see a number of uh, women over forty, but they're all mean. <laughs> yeah. Also, Mrs. Doubtfire is uh, technically a sixty-year-old woman, but she is not real, and she is played by a forty-ish-year-old man. Yeah. Right, which makes for an interesting discussion about the Bechdel test. So oh, yeah. for me, <laughs> because my friend Lisa, when she watches this movie, genuinely forgets that they're the same person. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. she just like has such a hard time keeping track of that, and she just thinks that they're that different people when she watches it. Very beautiful. <laughs> it also makes her a very confusing. <gasps> yeah, that's yeah. Really like why is this dinner so stressful? <laughs> <laughs> Well, for me, when I was trying to figure out if it passed the Bechdel test or not, I was not counting Mrs. Doubtfire's character as a woman, because even though that character is presenting as a woman, it's not someone who identifies actually as a woman. So to me, Mrs. Doubtfire is still Yeah, it's still a, a, uh, it's still a scene that a man can watch and identify with that character in some way. Yeah. Yes. I think that this would, this would be harder to apply to a movie like Tootsie, where the male character does get so deep into the female persona, but this one is, yeah, it's all pretty surface yeah. Right, yes. So, because of that, I would say, I think the movie still does pass it the does Bechdel pass. test. It does. Yes. Yeah. But, There's a scene where the daughters are talking about what they did in school that yes. day. Mm-hmm. I painted a picture of a, a bunny. <laughs> and <laughs> and a rainbow. Te- and the teacher liked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ding! Yeah. And there's also scenes where Nadia's like, why do we need a housekeeper? Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. um, not a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Why do we need a housekeeper anyway? Miranda says, oh, "This is all I need right now." Because she's such a shrew. Mm-hmm. They're literally shrewing and, at each other. But then but Lydia says, the um, "Why can't Dad do it?" So then she brings up a dad, and That's then it true. stops passing. But yeah, there's. You would think there would be more, considering there are so many female characters in the movie between mm-hmm. the two daughters and Miranda. And all the many other women who you see, maybe only peripherally. But yeah, there's only those kind of handful of scenes where... Oh, there's another one where Miranda says, like, where were you guys? And they're like, we were upstairs doing our homework. Mrs. Doubtfire said we had to. But it's just these very quick exchanges. you think there'd be more for a movie that, yeah. you know, has so many women in it. But yeah. nope. <laughs> a lot of them are very isolated from each other. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, does anyone have any final thoughts before we rate the movie? I think we, we we talked about this a little bit, but yeah, the the soundtrack of this movie, there the the four main tracks that are not instrumental are "Dude Looks Like a Lady," "Walk Like a Man," "Luck Be a Lady," 
Papa's got a brand new bag. Uh, uh-huh. So whoever's choosing for this uh, music for this movie, uh, grow up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's rate the movie on our nipple scale. Will we rate based on its portrayal of women specifically? Zero to five nipples. Oh, this is another tricky one. I get. Oh God, I don't even know. Maybe a two and a half. That's Does it deserve more? Does it, it deserve exactly less? That's exactly what I was going to say. Okay. I okay. Yeah. I was going to go three. Wow. Ooh, all right. Well, three. we're still we're yeah. ballpark. I just wanted to give Pierce Brosnan three nipples. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, to me, it's like in the middle, two and a half, because what well, we already sort of mentioned the the missed opportunities to comment on more meaningful things. You know, gender roles and um, I mean, LGBT also issues. We haven't talked about this, but like child custody is one of men's rights activists' biggest fucking oh. wargram like issues. And this movie does kind of come down on their side a bit of Ooh, being like I didn't realize that it doesn't about challenge the MRAs. yeah yeah it's like men's rights activists are always talking about how women are favored in custody battles and that's a proof that women don't have disadvantages in society and it's like <laughs> Give me a fucking break. Um, Give me a fucking tire iron. (laughs) (laughs) So in that way, like, you know, they didn't know that when they made this movie, but also... That is a we- a little bit of a thing that's gets played into here. That's true. And it is interesting that we see so much custody battle stuff as yeah. well. I mean, they lay a lot of pipe in those scenes, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah, where they're that's like, true. That's when he explains, like, I need to see my kids every day. I've never not seen them every day. And you're mm-hmm. like, that's why he does the Mrs. Doubtfire thing. That's the first time we kind of hear that. But. Right. Yeah. Even so, yeah, um, missed opportunities and things could have been handled better or differently. But, yeah, I'd say, like, it's probably, I mean, I haven't seen the movie White Chicks, but it probably does a better job when handling these issues. Um, that's, a, that's a hot take. <laughs> I don't know for sure. I haven't seen White Chicks, but I'm sure this is better. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I'm blown away. Okay, You heard it here first. White Chicks probably isn't a good movie. Feminist icons. <laughs> So yeah, two and a half, and Mrs. Salner gets two of my nipples because I think she's underappreciated. She's just doing her job. She shows up on time. No one appreciates her. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) One thing I think is really interesting about the Mrs. Salner character is like she's so hostile to Daniel, but when she meets Mrs. Doubtfire, you're like, oh, she's relaxed. She's like feels this immediate kinship and you don't really it's not doesn't get explored that much but you're kind of like oh i immediately see a different side of this character mm. now that she's around a woman instead it of is a man. nice to see that yeah we're and i'm sure like in context of her job she has to deal with shitty deadbeat dudes That's all true. the yeah. time like i i understand the hostility she's like let me take your uh face cream and also rub it on my face yeah <laughs> what, a, what a weird movie this yeah. is oh and then my other half nipple yes. um i will give to harvey firestein he earned it, man. He, he really did. It. Yeah, I'll get. I'll give it two and a half as well. I'll. I'll succumb to the. the don't two, we don't have to. Don't right. let us peer pressure you. No, I. I. I uh, I'm, I'm with it. I'm giving two and a half nipples to Pierce Brosnan to do with what he will. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I. I agree with what you're saying. I think that most of this. I think that this movie would have worked a lot better for me if we saw even one scene of Miranda connecting with her kids or just like seeing that just because she is a single mom who works does not just automatically mean that she's cold and can't connect with her kids Mm -hmm. so if we saw that i I think that it would have been a higher rating but it's just mostly missed opportunities yeah um and kind of a little bit of uh lazy writing when it comes to writing female characters yes yes brosnan however does get all my nipples. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sends an interesting message, Jamie. I'm sorry. Would you like to write Problematic. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what? I'm going to round it up to three nipples, I think. Okay. Yeah. I was just giving it some slack for when it came out and also like mm-hmm. how much of this movie is just about Robin Williams and not about the premise of the movie. <laughs> yeah. He really just tears through this movie kind of regardless of what was in the script, yeah. probably. and <laughs> He's like, give me a movie where I can do 40,000 voices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it was like, you know, at the time it was a perfect vehicle for him. So, yeah, I'll give it three nipples. And again, yeah, sexualizing Pierce Brosnan hmm. and that being the only, like, sex in the movie I liked. Reparations, yeah. baby. Yeah, the yeah. female gaze was catered to in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, can you imagine? Like, yeah, just 
getting to be around Pierce Brosnan in 1993. Dude, <laughs> fuck. There are a few moments in the movie where Daniel, usually dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire, will like kind of leer at a woman or like try oh, to yeah. buy her a drink, which is weird because mm-hmm. it's like you just experienced a guy hitting on you and how uncomfortable that made you. Why would you then turn around and do that and do same that, thing yeah. to a woman? I think that that yeah harkens back to again of of Mrs. Doubtfire just being strictly treated as a costume by yeah. the narrative as well. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, he could have learned a little bit of a lesson, but turns out he didn't. It's also funny that in those scenes, it's not like, oh, a woman bought her a drink, so she's creeped out, and not like, oh, a woman bought her a drink, and so she's so relieved that it's not a terrifying man. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like. Yeah, this is a this is a lesser horror. <laughs> Usually, yeah, that didn't track. I, if I if an older woman was like, "Here, let me buy you a drink," I'd be like, "Yeah, thanks." Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah, I would sure. accept that so quick. I would yeah. just be like, "Oh, hell yeah! Wait, yeah, what? Thank you. All right." Well, anyway, uh, Emily, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Yay. Thanks for bringing us this movie. Yeah. Yes. Where can people find you online? Do you have anything you'd like to plug? I'm at Mr. Emily Heller on everything. Also, I'm recording my second album Ooh. on January 20th at Curious Comedy Theater in Portland. So if you live in Portland, please come to that. Also, after I watched this movie, my boyfriend made a lot of really funny Mrs. Doubtfire memes that I retweeted. So you really? can just go find them. Oh, yeah. great. <laughs> we will. <laughs> great. You can follow us at Bechtelcast on all the platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can go to our website, Bechtelcast.com. You can subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. If you pay $5 a month. <laughs> These memes, doing... really oh. <laughs> These memes are really good. These are really good. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, if you give us um, $5 a month, you get access to two bonus episodes per month, <laughs> and then you help us with our production costs. <laughs> Oh man, I can't wait! It's I can't really wait to see funny. these. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at hamburger, and you can find me at Caitlin Durante. Oh and, my god! Um, <laughs> you guys got to check out these memes. There's they're like we'll, we'll, the we'll use retweet. of capitalization is very funny. It's, <laughs> I've never seen hello written out, but uh, he nails it. <laughs> it's one capital O, two lowercase. Uh, Amazing. All right. Um, all right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, and bye. 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 Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.